Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be with you. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. We went to Mass yesterday, and unfortunately, um, well, it was the Epiphany celebration, even though Epiphany is not until January 6th. Um, uh, And we were told that Epiphany is the end of Christmas. Well, many people... Uh, because it's the 12th day, many people celebrate Epiphany uh, as the end of Christmas. Uh, Today is the 4th of January, tomorrow is the 5th, so tomorrow evening would be the vigil of the Epiphany in real time, and the 6th would be the Epiphany, and that would be the 12th day. But um, many people uh, keep Christmas until uh, the Feast of John the Baptist next Sunday, but also Many people, traditionally, as we do here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, uh, Christmas extends until candy, candle mass. I almost said candy mass. Candle mass. Um, February 2nd, the uh, presentation of our Lord in the temple. It's really three feasts in one. And it's so, so, so magnificent. And traditionally, that is the end of Christmas has been celebrated as such when we have processions with candles to celebrate that the light of the world has come. So beautiful. And so for us, Christmas is still here. We have a beautiful Christmas tree that's going to be up until February 2nd. But however you've celebrated Christmas, past or present, we wish you a most beloved Christmas and a very, very beautiful New Year. Yes, in the midst of all the evil of our world, um, we, we wish you and um, a, truly a hope-filled New Year because we have Christ. If we had Him, we didn't have Him, we'd have no hope at all. And I thought what I would do this week is find, not maybe every day, depending upon what happens with the elections and all that, but find some very beautiful Christmas stories. And this one, you might know it. There's a song called Christmas Day in the Morning. And this is by Pearl Buck, Pearl S. Buck. And I read it some years ago, and I loved it. And I think... Uh, families, mothers, fathers, uh, young men, young daughters, and families would love this story too. Um, Because it's a story of love, and love is all that ever matters. And love is the only thing that changes us. We love, our Lord said, because he first loved us. Uh, That's why we love, because he first loved us. And people can do, meet us, and give us things, but if we don't sense that they love us, We're going to keep a distance. We're going to keep safe. We're going to keep private. But if we sense that someone really loves us, we're going to begin to wonder about it and and begin to trust them um, and begin to receive their love. So this story begins. He awoke suddenly and completely. It was four o'clock, the hour at which his father had always called him to get up and help with milking, the milking cows, Strange how the habits of his youth clung to him still. Fifty years ago, 
and his father had been dead for 30 years, and yet he waked at 4 o'clock in the morning. He had trained himself to turn over and go to sleep, but this morning it was Christmas, and he did not try to sleep. Why did he feel so awake tonight? He slipped back in time, as he did so easily nowadays. He, he was 15 years old and still on his father's farm. He loved his father. He had not known it until one day a few years before Christmas, a few days before Christmas, rather, when he had overheard what his father was saying to his mother. Quote, Mary, I hate to call Rob in the mornings. He's growing so fast and he needs his sleep. If you could see how he sleeps when I go in to wake him up, I wish I could manage alone. Well, you can't, Adam. His mother's voice was brisk. Besides, he isn't a child anymore. It's time he took his turn. Yes, his father said slowly, but I sure do hate to wake him. When he heard these words, something in him, this young man, spoke. His father loved him. He had never thought of that before, taking for granted the tie of their blood. Neither his father nor his mother talked about loving their children. They had no time for such things. There was always always so much to do on the farm. Now that he knew his father loved him, there would be no loitering in the mornings and having to be called again. He got up after that, stumbling blindly in his sleep and pulled on his clothes, his eyes shut, but he got up. And then on the night before Christmas, that year when he was 15, he lay for a few minutes thinking about the next day. They were poor and most of the excitement was in the turkey they had raised themselves and mince pies his mother made. His sisters sewed presents, and his mother and father always bought him something he needed. Not only a warm jacket, maybe, but something more, such as a book. And he saved and brought them each something, too. He wished that Christmas, when he was 15, he had a better present for his father. As usual, he had gone to the 10-cent store and bought a tie. It had seemed nice enough until he lay thinking the night before Christmas. He looked out of his attic window. The stars were bright. Dad, he had once asked when he was a little boy, what is a stable? It's just a barn, his father had replied, like ours. Then Jesus had been born in a barn, and to a barn the shepherds had come. The thought struck him like a silver dagger. Why should he not give his father a special gift too? Out there in the barn, he could get up early, earlier than four o'clock, and he could creep into the barn and get all the milking done. He would do it alone, milk and clean up. And then when his father went in to start the milking, he'd see it was all done and he would know who had done it. He laughed to himself as he gazed at the stars. It was what he would do, and he mustn't sleep too sound. He must have waked 20 times, scratching a match each time to look at his old watch. Midnight and half past one, and then two o'clock. At, at a quarter to three, he got up and put on his clothes. He crept downstairs, careful of the creaky boards 
and let himself out. The cows looked at him, sleepy and surprised. It was early for them, too. He had never milked all alone before, but it seemed almost easy. He kept thinking about his father's surprise. His father would come in and get him, saying that he would get things started while Rob was getting dressed. And he'd go to the barn, open the door, and then he'd go get the two big empty milk cans. But they would be waiting. Um, But they would not be waiting or empty. They would be standing in the milk house, filled. What the... He could hear his father exclaiming. He smiled and milked steadily. Two strong steams rushing into the streams, rushing into the pail, frothing and fragrant. The task went more easily than he had ever known it to go before. Milking for once was not a chore. It was something else, a gift to his father who loved him. He finished. The two milk cans were full and he covered them and closed the milk house door, carefully, making sure of the latch. Back in his room, he had only a minute to pull off his clothes in the darkness and jump into bed, for he heard his father up. He put the covers over his head to silence his quick breathing. The door opened. Rob, his father called. We have to get up, son, even if it is Christmas. All right, he said sleepily. The door closed and he lay still, laughing to himself. In just a few minutes, his father would know. His dancing heart was ready to jump from his body. The minutes were endless, 10, 15. He did not know how many. And he heard his father's footsteps again. The door opened and he laid still. Rob! Yes, Dad? His father was laughing, a queer, sobbing sort of laugh. Thought you'd fool me, did you? His father was standing by his bed, feeling for him putting away the cover. It's for Christmas, Dad. He found his father and clutched him in a great hug. He felt his father's arms go around him. It was dark, and they could not see each other's faces. Son, I thank you. Nobody ever did. A nicer thing. Oh, Dad, I want you to know I do want to be good. The words broke from him of their own will. He did not know what to say. His heart was bursting with love. He got up and pulled on his clothes again, and they went down to the Christmas tree. Oh, what a Christmas! And how his heart had nearly burst again with shyness and pride as his father told his mother and made the younger children listen about how he, Rob, had got up all by himself. The best Christmas gift I ever had, and I'll remember it, son, every year on Christmas Christmas morning, so long as I live. Beloved, there's the music for our first break, but the story's not quite over yet. So not too much to go, but we'll continue when we come back from the break. And then we'll begin to take your calls, your texts, and your emails. The toll-free number to call is one 511 5483 or email at com. We'll be right back.
LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Terry and Jesse Show. Hi, this is Terry Barber from The Terry and Jesse Show. We bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show, 888-526-2151. On the Station of the Cross radio network and heard around the world on the iCatholic radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are just at the end of a story called um, Christmas in the Morning. Um, it's very beautiful about a, a poor family on a farm and a 15-year-old boy who has always helped his father with milking the cows. And the father was saying to his wife, I hate waking him up. At 15, I hate waking him up to milk the cow. I, I want him to get his sleep. And the way his father spoke and cared about him, really, the, the boy overheard his father's conversation with his mother and for somehow realized for the first time that his father loved him. It was kind of just figured, you know, I'm, I'm their child, I'm flesh and blood. Of course, they love me, but Love was never spoken of in their home, and for the first time by his father, overhearing his father's conversation, he realized his father really loved him. And this Christmas, he wanted to give his father a very, very special Christmas gift, and so he snuck up at quarter to three in the morning, went to the barn went before his father would know, and milked the cows. And when his father woke him up at four, he pretended to be sleeping, and his father got the surprise that all the milking had be done had been done, and um, he um, 
the father said, the best Christmas gift I ever had. I'll remember it, son, every year on Christmas morning, so long as I live. Very, very beautiful story. And the story continues from the boy who wrote it, who is now a man with his own family. They had both remembered it, the son and the father. And now that his father was dead, he remembered it alone. That blessed Christmas dawn, when alone with the cows in the barn, he had made his first gift of true love when he was 15. This Christmas, he wanted to write a card to his wife and tell her how much he loved her. It had been a long time since he had really told her, although he loved her in a very special way, much more than he ever had when they were young. He had been fortunate that she had loved him. Ah, that was the true joy of life, the ability to love. Love was still alive in him. It still was. It occurred to him suddenly that it was alive because long ago it had been born in him when he knew his father loved him. That was it. Love alone could awaken love, and he could give the gift again and again. This morning... This blessed Christmas morning, he would give it to his beloved wife. He could write it down in a letter for her to read and keep forever. He went to his desk and began his love letter to his wife. My dearest love, dot, dot, dot. That's the end of the story. Such a happy, happy Christmas, he says. Such a happy, happy Christmas. It's a beautiful story, beloved. I've read it several times. It's not the most beautiful story I've ever read in my life, but it still gives me chills. The only reason we love is because he first loved us. And if you're in a family or in a marriage where there's no love, um, St. Francis de Sales said, where there is no love, put love, and there will be love. Where there is no love, Put love, and there will be love. Um, Children, love your parents. Do something like that. Get up at four in the morning and do the laundry and the dishes and crawl back into bed and surprise your parents. And parents, let your children know that you love them. Let them overhear your conversation on how much you love them. Do special things that show them how interested you are in their goals, in their life, in their successes, in their failures. Walk alongside each other. Nothing but love will ever change. Nothing but love. If I'm in a relationship of some kind and it's sour and it's untrusting or it's accusatory or whatever it is, I can wait for the other person to change or own up or whatever it is. That's my problem because it's never going to happen. The only way it'll ever happen is for me to change and love. And if I'm never loved back, that's not my concern. That's God's concern. Let Leave it with God. But I need to love. It's the only way to be loved and to, uh, to heal other hearts. So... Um, I'm not going to wait till the second break, dear ones. I'm so happy to be back with you after Christmas and New Year's. I hope you had a wonderful time with family or visiting or traveling. I'm sure many of you were sick and had relatives that got sick, and um, I'm so sorry for that. And we we pray that God will heal you and protect you all. Um, So as of now, 
I'm going to take your calls with anything at all on your heart, no matter what it is. I've always said that the heart of the matter is the matter of a your heart. So call in toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I we will always stop for phone calls, but I think also we have a few emails to catch up on. So I'm gonna go ahead and take an email from John who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, thank you very much for your program and your no nonsense approach to the faith and morals. It has helped me regain my bearings with the Catholic faith. And my love for God. Well, blessed be God for that, dear John. John says, prior to the last two years, I have not practiced my faith very seriously at all. Through the grace of God, the last two years have seen me return with a great, with a real fire and passion. Although I was raised in the Novus Ordo Mass, I've been going to the Latin Mass for about, excuse me, for about one and a half years, and really feel connected to the church and its traditions, I feel it has opened my eyes to the truth and the need to amend my life, which brings me to my dilemma. I was married in the Catholic Church in Novus Ordo uh, 20 years ago and went through a civil divorce 12 years ago and then civilly remarried to a non-Christian. Oh dear, oh dear. About one and a half years ago, I started the process of annulment with the hope that after gaining the annulment, my current marriage would be convalidated. I really miss receiving the Eucharist and would love nothing more than to make a general confession, then take communion on the tongue in the Latin Mass. This week, I received the final sentencing of the annulment. It was not granted. I have the option to appeal and will discuss this option with my advocate, but I am lost. Do I divorce my current civil wife or do I just separate from my current wife? The pastor of the Novus Ordo Parish in which I started the process explained that there is an 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 internal forum and external forum. If the tribunal does not grant the annulment, which is the external forum, the internal forum could be a path to receive communion. As I understand the internal forum, it is based on my conscience and my internal love relationship with God. If through my conscience, I truly believe the original marriage was not valid, I'm able to begin to participate in the sacraments of reconciliation and communion. But after reading the Bible, listening to the traditional teachings and the teachings of Jesus, the actual founder of the Catholic Church, my conscience is telling me, almost screaming, that the internal forum option is wrong. I'd appreciate your direction and any suggestions regard, John. Well, your conscience is right, John. It's not an internal and an external forum. We don't go by what our conscience tells us. We are not to go against our conscience, but the church teaches that our conscience must be informed so that we don't go against church teaching. Um, an annulment is not a Catholic divorce. An annulment goes back to the beginning to the circumstances of a marriage. And if it finds, if the tribunal 
uh, find that it was never a valid marriage to begin with. Maybe one of the partners uh, was not in a position to marry. Uh, Maybe uh, they had psychological problems or other issues. And um, maybe one was forced into the marriage. Uh, All kinds of things. They would go back and examine that to see if it was a valid marriage, to, not based on where they are today, but based on where it was at the time of the marriage, if it was valid. Because if it was ma- valid in God's eyes, never mind legally in the, in the state, but if it's valid in God's eyes, what God has joined together, no man could put asunder. There's no such thing as Catholic divorce. So if, if it's... Um, again, if it's a valid marriage, the church has no power to say it did not happen. And they grant you a degree, um, if they believe it never fully happened, they, um, that the marriage never took place, they grant you a degree of nullity, which means the marriage was null and void, null and void from the beginning, it never ever took place. But if they reject that, as with in your case, John, and they say no, your marriage in the Catholic Church so many years ago was a true marriage, um, then you're still married to that person. And although you're living with another person, and, and on top of that, a non-Christian as well, that marriage is invalid, and you're living in adultery. So you're living in a very serious situation right now. And um, since the annulment was rejected, you need to leave the woman you're with now. And I don't know if you've had children with her, you didn't say anything about it, but you need to leave her, you need to repent, and need to know that you're still married to your first wife. And either the two of you um, get together, or you simply live as brother and sister. That's it. Um, But you cannot live intimately with anyone else while that marriage was uh, not found to be valid. In other words, it was found to be valid, and you cannot be with anyone else at all, at all. You can separate from your true wife, but you cannot date or be into it or live with another woman. We have an email from Patricia. Let me make sure we don't, okay, have any phone calls here. Okay, again, toll free, 877-811. Oh, what did I? I lost it now. Five four eight three eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, and we have another email from Patricia who says, "Hello, Mother. My husband and I did not grow up Catholic. We had children, and then I had surgery for sterilization. I see now that this is wrong. When I was younger, I did not realize this, or did not think about it." We, didn't, we did not go to a church where these things were talked about, and we were not living as close to our Lord then. Since this is the situation we are in now, will we be sinning if we have sexual relations in this state? Um, we'll come right back from the break, and, and we'll answer Patricia's email. Don't go away, beloved, but it's a wonderful time to call in during the break. Uh, Toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back with Patricia's email.
We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour together, and we do have a phone call, but I want to um, just quickly answer Patricia's email, which we began just before the break. It's very short, and I'll reread it. Patricia says, Hello, Mother. My husband and I did not grow up Catholic. We had children, and then I had surgery for sterilization. I see now that this is wrong. When I was younger, I did not realize this or didn't think about it. We did not go to a church where these things were talked about, and we were not living as close to our Lord then. Since this is the situation we are in now, will we be sinning if we have sexual relations in this state? Patricia, I'm going to guess by your email that both you and your husband are now Catholic, and um, uh, and that you are practicing your faith. You haven't given me that information. Um, I'm also going to uh, guess that that whatever sterilization process you have uh, is not reversible. Um, in in a number of cases, the church does not require it to be reversed because it's. Very, very expensive or very painful. So um, if you're both Catholic and you're both uh, receiving the sacraments and you've both gone to confession, 
um, I see, and, and your marriage has been uh, convalidated in the Catholic Church, I, I would see nothing in the way of your having sexual relations. So I, I don't know the rest of your situation, though. But um, if all of that is in place, uh, I think, and again, you've been uh, remarried, so to speak, in the Catholic Church, um, or married in the Catholic Church, I, I would see uh, nothing wrong with your having relations um, as husband and wife, even with the sterilization. Uh, if, if it's something you've repented of, I think uh, it would be all right. Um, I, I, there may be those that disagree with me. I'm not a canon lawyer on this, so I can't answer you as definitively as I would wish, dear Patricia, but Again, I think that would be all right if you're both Catholic, if you've both gone to confession and you are now sacramentally married in the Catholic Church, even though you're sterilized, I think that would be all right. Um, Will from North Carolina on the line. Hello, dear Will. Hello, Mother. How are you? I'm fine. And how about you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm so happy to speak with you. Is this the Will I know from Tulsa? No. You're a different you know, will. No, no, but but no, no, okay. but, it could be, but it's okay. Yeah, we, bless we you, will. No, now we I'm, now I'm, we do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, nothing really uh, of a concern for me to for my call, but just to say thank you so very much for what mm-hmm. you do and thank to you, let will. you know how much it means to me each day. Oh, that that means a lot to me, dear Will. God bless you for that call, and um, please feel free to call any time. But your your sweet little uh, call made my day. Thank you, Will, so much. Thank you, Mother, and congratulations on your new home. Yes, thank you, thank you. I'm loving Beloit. It's a little fairy tale here. I'm just loving it. The people are so wonderful. Uh, Anybody out there that wants a beautiful little safe fairy tale magnificent town that's quite catholic come to beloit give me a call and we'll build up a little community here it's just beautiful oh, okay well yeah god bless Thank sweetheart you. okay we have a call not a call but an email from jenny jenny writes hi mother Thank you for your program. It's so inspiring to listen to. Thank you, Jenny. There's so much I have not learned about our faith, even after going to a Catholic school for eight years and church almost every week for all my life. That's so tragic, Ah, but it's the state of things. My husband and I were looking to bring our young family to a Latin mass. Good. We found one 15 minutes away and were both ecstatic. We walked in and immediately knew this is what we were looking for and have been missing. The woman, uh, the women had beautiful veils on and everyone was modestly dressed in proper church apparel. As we entered, the people were quiet, kneeling and praying the rosary. The priest spoke about praying for the souls and plenary indulgences that we've been yet waiting to hear in our own parish. My heart felt so relieved. We found our place, I thought. Anyway, it was not until afterwards that we learned that we went to an SSPX chapel. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Heaven on earth. And then we realized that it's, it's, it's in a, a group that's in schism. Oh, dear. We were heartbroken. As we were told, we should not go there as Catholics. Mother... 
Can you explain why we should not go there? Is the Eucharist not consecrated? It's consecrated and it's valid, yes. I know it has something to do with Vatican II and Pope Pius. Um, We are frustrated sheep and looking to be fed. Uh, We truly do not want to offend God, but only want to grow in our Catholic faith. Thanks, Mother. Oh, I'm, I'm heartbroken with you. Um, Jenny, I understand very, very much. Uh, the reason to not go to the SSPX, that's the Society of St. Pius X, um, is because there are many people who do not think they're in schism, but the official state of the church is that they are in schism still. Cardinal Burke explains that you could look, just look up Cardinal Burke in the S, he's just about the top canon lawyer of the church, and the SSPX. Many do not believe they're in schism, but many do believe they're in schism. But the church still has them in schism. They're not reconciled. Uh, There were excommunications lifted uh, from the founders, from uh, uh, um, uh, Archbishop Lefebvre and such, but uh, why Pope Benedict XVI did not bring them into full communion with the church at that time, I do not know. Um, uh, they weren't able to sign on to some things on Vatican II, but again, I don't know why that would be a problem because it was only a pastoral council. There's nothing doctrinally that they oppose of church teaching. So it's very confusing. It's heartbreaking. We wish uh, they were in union because many of us would immediately have many Latin parishes to go to. So what I would suggest, dear Ch- uh, as as grieved as you may be at the Novus Ordo Parish near your house, uh, if that's the case, and not learning about your faith, it's better to do that because it's certainly a valid sacrament than to go to be in a church that's in schism. You don't want that. You want to stay with the church. So uh, if I were you, I would just look for another Latin parish. Look at uh, look up the fraternity of um, St. Peter, uh, FSSP. Um, uh, look up um, Christ uh, the King, um, Sovereign Priest. Look up them. They're fantastic. Um uh, it's the Institute of Jesus Christ Sovereign, Pri- uh, Sovereign Priest. Um, and there might be, on occasion, diocesan parishes that celebrate Latin Masses, even though it may not be a strictly Latin parish. So I'm heartbroken with you, but just keep looking. Look at the closest Latin parish to you. And what we needed to do for a while is go to a Novus Ordo near us um, and then travel further to a Latin parish, at least on the weekend. Maybe, maybe that could happen for you as well, Jenny. God bless you, dear one. It's a time of suffering for many in the church. It's a time of suffering. But um, I tell you from our end, we would stay with the Novus Ordo rather than go with the SSPX, even though I've been with them, I've met them, they're wonderful people, but um, we won't be part of them. There's no canonical standing in the church that they have, religious orders that have come under the SSPX. We've been invited to do that, but we cannot because there's absolutely no canonical standing because they are in schism. So... 
a difficult one. We have an email from Michelle, and Michelle says, Hello, Mother Miriam. Thank you for all your advice and wisdom in this difficult time. I started listening to you regularly, and it is helping me to get through these days. Oh, blessed be God for that. I'm having trouble discerning the issue of masking, that is, wearing a mask. As a family, we have made a stance to not wear a mask in public because it is harmful to us as human beings. Um society and we do not believe this is of god i'm just going to break in because yours a little more lengthy i'm going to uh, it's not very long but i'm going to break in to tell you that i agree with you uh, i agree with you people are free to wear a mask but i agree that it can be harmful it has been shown to be harmful um, and no one should be required to wear a mask and we're here in beloit where many wear masks and many don't It's a choice, so we bless God for that. We follow every other rule that has been set out due to the virus. We have found a church that does not mandate masks, but does social distancing and has communion on the tongue. We've experienced that in in Beloit now. Every other row is taped off, so not so many people to a row, but they do um, advise social distancing. Distancing, but every other row is taped off, and we are able to receive communion on the tongue. This is just wonderful. However, this week it has just been completely mandated, uh oh, across the province. I don't know what will happen with this beautiful church. Um, so I'm guessing you're saying it has been mandated. I'm guessing. And you say province, so I'm 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 guessing you're also writing from Canada. Um, so maybe masking has been mandated. Furthermore, we will not mask our children. We homeschool, good, but send our children to a private traditional Catholic school two days per week. It is a choir school. Oh, that's so good. It is a choir school. So choir is an important part of the program. Excellent. Since students are unable to sing indoors, they have decided to put masks on the children while singing. Oh, how terrible. We have resisted this. And now our children are sitting out, socially distanced, but cannot sing. They are the only children sitting out. The motto of the school is, To God Through Beauty. We do not believe this is beautiful or of God. I agree with you. My question is, do we give in and have our children wear the mask or stand true to the belief that this is wrong? We want to do the right thing in the face of God and teach our children to do the right thing. God bless, Michelle. Michelle, um, Do we give in and have our children wear the mask or do we stand true to the belief that this is wrong? I think you can do both. You can stand true to the belief that this is wrong, but yet say, for the sake of our children, of their learning, of their wanting to be part of this program, will we've decided they can wear masks as long as they agree we've decided it's a fine thing. Not because we have to, because we can sit out, but We want them to be a part of this magnificent program. They do require masks, and the only way that children can do it is if they wear masks. 
so you're right. It's wrong. Don't change your belief that it's wrong, but it's not sinful. But it's wrong that masks be mandated. And just say to your children, sweetheart, we believe it's wrong. It's not sinful, but it's wrong for that to be mandated. But it's, it's, if you want to be part of this choir school, we would love it. And that's a sacrifice we have to make. Just as we go into stores, we have to put masks on because that require it. We don't believe it's right. We don't believe it's healthy. But we follow their rules to shop from that store. You could do the same thing in school if you want to. And leave it to your children if they want to do that. There's nothing wrong with it. You could still believe it's wrong, but it's not sinful. And we have to compromise in certain ways in life, as I say, even to shop or go into a hospital. Okay, so I'll leave it at that, dear Michelle. God bless you. We'll be right back after the break. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy Thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment together, and our phones are wide open, and you are free and welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to take an email from Rebecca, 
who writes, my daughter is 22. She left to live with her boyfriend, which disappointed me very much because I know of his abusive behavior towards her. I prayed for her to come back home. Now, last month, I found out she is now pregnant and have not talked to her. She has reached out to me, but I don't want to talk to her. I continue to pray for her and her soul because I know she is living in sin. My heart hurts, and I cry mostly every day. I do miss her, but I feel if I reach out to her, I am accepting and giving in to all this. My concern is this. I do not know if I'm doing more harm to myself by not forgiving her. Please advise. Rebecca, you are doing harm to yourself. You're doing harm to your daughter, and you're sinning against God. We have no choice to forgive. We are instructed to forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. Forgiveness is never, ever, ever a choice. Forgiveness doesn't mean to make believe something never happened, but we must forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. Otherwise, you are sinning against God. It's not an option. It doesn't mean that your daughter needs to apologize or realize the sin she's in or change her lifestyle or anything. It, it, it doesn't, it's not her part. It's your part to forgive. You must forgive her. And you are doing harm to yourself and to your daughter, but mostly you're sinning against God. You must forgive her. If she's reached out to you, I don't know why you don't want to talk to her. To talk to her, you can give her advice. You can love her back into the kingdom, maybe. You could say, sweetheart, I'm just so sorry, but I'm your mother. I love you. I'm here to help you. And I've suggested you move back home before. I will still receive you with open arms, but you would need to move back home. Or the very least, you'd need to separate from your boyfriend. As long as you remain in that situation, sweetheart, with your boyfriend who is abusive toward you, um, I'm not going to help you because the biggest help you need is to separate from him. And if you don't want that, nothing else will help you, honey. So uh, if you want to come back home, you have a home here with us. We will help you through the pregnancy. Uh, Our home will be your home and your child's home. Not a problem, sweetheart. But you're going to have to come back home and leave him. Uh, uh, That would have to be the case. So if your daughter is reaching out to you, that's a gift that she hasn't separated herself from you. I would reach out to her. And um, it's not so much an angry ultimatum. It's a loving gesture that you could save her, that you could really help her. And through you, she could experience the love of God. We have an email from Patricia who writes, How do we deal with my brother? He's 68 years old and divorced, who is living with his girlfriend, who is also divorced. For some reason, they decided not to get married. The family has been very unhappy about this. How does the Catholic Church look at Catholics who are living together without the sacrament of marriage? Patricia If you're Catholic, you should know that, or at least you should get a hold of a catechism which will tell you that. And finally, how does the church look at sex before marriage? It'd be the way any Christian, Catholic or non-Catholic, looks at sex before marriage. It's grave, grave sin. 
Sex before marriage is mortal sin, a grave, grave sin, and people living together outside of marriage being intimate is grave, grave sin. So you need to tell your brother that he is in grave, grave sin. If he dies in that sin, he will be in hell. And if he's living with a woman that he claims to love, he's bringing her to hell with him. And that's not love. That's not love. That's self-satisfaction. Tremendously selfie, selfish. And he, say, he may say, but I love her. Well, then if you love her, love does what's best for another person and does not put them on the road to hell. You must say that to your brother. And if he could care less, you could show him the catechism and the teaching of the church. Um, you could show him um, uh, the, the scriptures. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, um, Matthew chapter 5, um, all kinds of things. You could show him the morals of Scripture. We have an email from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, I enjoy listening to you on the Internet, and I'm always impressed with your advice. I have a personal problem that I was hoping you would comment on. Frankly, Anonymous writes, I am just not good at dealing with people. I care about people deeply, and I pray for them. But when I try to interact with and help them, I always seem to say or do the wrong thing. This is something I have struggled with most of my life. This worries me as a Christian, because our second highest priority after worshiping God is helping other people. That's incorrect, by the way. I'll come back to that. Um, anonymous writes, but it seems no matter how hard I try, people always misunderstand me and my intentions are misconstrued. Because of this, I often keep to myself and I have few friends. Are there any saints who struggle with this? Dear Anonymous, um, I know someone who has this problem. I have no idea who you are or where you live but I know someone that has this problem. And the difficulty with this individual is that, I'll just say it's a she, um, she doesn't know how to listen. She feeds everything into her own knowledge, her own motions, her own perspective, and she's always giving out opinions and advice. But she never hears other people. And it, her, her comments are way off. Her advice is way off and quite annoying, and very difficult to have very long conversations with her. Um, when you say, uh, because she doesn't hear, um, she wants to add her two cents and our perspective, but she doesn't, uh, she says she cares deeply, but she doesn't listen to other people. She's more interested in giving her opinion. Um, and this an anonymous writer says, um, uh, Christian, our second, uh, this worries me as a Christian because our second highest priority after worshiping God is helping other people. It is not. Jesus said, you cannot love God whom you do not see if you cannot love your brother who you do see. It doesn't mean helping your brother. It means loving him. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It doesn't mean helping. It means coming to other people, walking alongside them, being with them, um, 
So if we're truly going to love God, we can't love him whom we cannot see unless we truly love our brother whom we do see. Because if we can't love our brother whom we do see, then we may think we love God, but our love may be very shallow or uh, with a misunderstanding of what true love is. Uh, we may have created a God of our own imagining. So um, I would say, dear Anonymous, that you need to be with someone who truly, truly loves and who knows how to love and get some counseling on how to receive. We cannot love if we're not able to receive, and the measure of our love is the measure of our being able to receive. There's our closing music, beloved. God bless all of you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.